home of Arizona Cardinals football. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Burns and Gambo, Big Red Monday, Crosstalk. Hour number four of the show. It is time for some Big Red Crosstalk. Gambo joining us from Burns and Gambo. Of course, you can hear them every day from two to six. You don't need me to tell you that. You already know that. But uh, Gambo is here. Gambo, how's it going, man? Luke, how are you? It's been a weird 24 hours. <laughs> it was. I mean, I mean, I think we were all either watching the game or anybody that didn't watch the game, you found out pretty quickly that uh, the tragic incident that happened in Cincinnati last night and uh, just a devastating set of circumstances around it. And I think now we're all just waiting and and praying and hoping that uh, that he will end up being okay and come out of this. But uh, right now, it's just a wait-and-see thing. Last night, it was just, you know, it was almost, it reminded me in some ways of when Rudy Gobert touched the microphone and yeah. then um, there was this delay between the Jazz. I, mean, I forgot who they were playing, but the Jazz. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. It was, and Chris Paul was there. Yep. And it was just like, what's going on? Like, are they going to play? Are they not going to play? And, you know, in my heart, I'm thinking, there's no way they could play this game after we all saw what happened. There's no way you could play the game. The players aren't going to want to play that. You can't play the game, but there was such a delay until they finally said there's no game. Fans were still there. And it reminded me very much of the situation with Utah and Oklahoma City as it was just a long delay and just figure out, trying to figure out what's going to happen. Okay, there's not going to be a game. So just a terrible tragedy. It was awful to watch and just uh, spent a lot of time today. Just real last night, I posted the, the information about the website that's raised so much money now. It's Four million dollars. Four million dollars. Incredible. And he wanted $2,500 out of it. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, you know, for me right now, um, when I saw the Bengals players coming out onto the field to console the Bills players, that, Johnny, is when I thought, this game's over. Because uh, how I, do you, I, as, as a, I mean, look, you're the only one here that's played. Um, how do you, how do you, but the, we, you got we've a, all been on sports teams. You know oh yeah, what it's l- like listen, with uh, a teammate. Yeah, uh, abs- yeah, absolutely. A close friend, sure. whatever it may be. You know, and I, I was involved in a very violent sport in boxing, and just when you, you know, yeah. there's a camaraderie that is there. The more physical and the more aggressive. Uh, but I, sport I don't know gets. how you can amp yeah. it up to play a game when you're at, you're at such a low point in in worrying and concerned about a brother. Yep. How would you be able to amp it? There was no way the game was going. No, no way. I, Not when I mean, the coaches were talking the way they were. No, and I, and I think that it was kind of brought out. A lot of people were speculating that the NFL was just going to give them five minutes to warm up and then want them to play, and that's not true, right? The NFL never said that they have to play that game. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're Where right. There was, there was a lot of confusion, though, in the moment because everybody was trying to get ready to play. Like, they showed Stephon Diggs on the sidelines. Like, I guess we're playing. I have to get everybody ready. Yeah, no. That was, that, that's, there was that just was confusion. That was amazing right there. And I, I wonder if he felt, oh, my goodness. You know, I, I asked uh, you so could about see how this. broken up he was he when it was happening. He felt so bad, and I wonder if he felt bad only because he was trying to rally his brothers on the sideline to refocus them and get ready to play and finish this big game that they were playing, and I'm wondering if that really bothered him and compelled him to actually go to the hospital after the game. I don't know. Prob- I mean, probably you you would think it did, but if they were going to say you've got to play, then you've got to find you know you got to find a way to play. You know, again, I don't think the players. I think the players on both sides were like, look, this game is just not important right now. It's, this is not important. If you had to guess, Johnny, what do you think the NFL is going to do? And I know this is a, a no. I thought about it. I know everybody. So you almost have to. I, I would think you just push. So I, my thought is, you play all the games next week as scheduled. 
Then the following week you play the Buffalo Cincinnati game, you and then the, the following week. week you start the playoffs. Yeah, you have the Super Bowl week that extra week before you, the you Super take Bowl. It that's you take it away. Anyway. Yeah. I always liked it when it was taken away anyway. Yeah. So I would say play all the games that's scheduled next week. The following week everybody gets a bye, <laughs> and you play the Buffalo Cincinnati game if it's going to d- determine, which it probably will, home field advantage, Buffalo or Kansas City, mm. the division between Cincinnati and Baltimore. So the magnitude of the game, we all know it's an important game. But I would play play all the games next because you can't say let's play Wednesday and then you play a game on Sunday you can't do that no. so it's got to be maybe you play Sunday and then you play Saturday or or maybe I would just play play all the games next week the following week play the Buffalo Cincinnati game the following week start the playoffs yeah I think I honestly I think that's the I don't know what other options there are you've got that extra week that you never need anyway and you can't like you said be having guys play on a Tuesday and then playing on a Sunday and then be like you can't no do not that. teams that are going to the playoffs no, you can't and you have can't. a chance of risking injury because of the short turnaround yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird. It's funny you bring up the the night of that Utah game, that Oklahoma City game, because I, I mean that's not the same as this, but it's the closest thing. I was thinking that driving in because I remember that night coming in after you guys were doing your show, and I had my setup for my show and everything. And you're like, uh, you can just go ahead and toss that rundown in the trash because look what just happened. I, sp- I remember speaking with you from a grocery store. Yep. Yeah, I remember we called like, you. Hey, like, come on the show. I was on. I was just you know getting groceries. I think that after my show had ended, I jumped on with you. But it's tragic. It's sad. It's just so sad. I mean, I mean, my daughter works at a is a doctor in a level one trauma center. So, I mean, I spoke with her about, you know, what's you know, what's just the chances and everything. Now, it's all different. He's they got him immediate medical attention because outside of immediate medical attention, there is a 90 percent fatality rate for people that, you know, that that suffer a cardiac arrest in an environment where you don't have that type of like they, they got to him quick. CPR, defibrillator, they, they got to him, so his chances are better. But for somebody that has a, a, a cardiac arrest at your home with no defibrillator and medical attention that's 20 minutes away, 90% fatality rate. You know, and so my the daughter sees all of this all the time, but he is young and they had excellent medical care right there that got to him right away. Mm-hmm. CPR, defibrillator, got him to the hospital. So obviously his chances are much better, uh, but we don't know. I mean, and still, even with that, it's not like it's 90% he's going to recover. So I think we're all just hoping and praying for the best that he's able to to, to survive this. Man, it, it just listening to you right there talking about the CPR that was being done out there, I, it's still, it is, it is burned into my brain. I can't get that image out of my head, that thought, I should say. I can't get the thought of the CPR that's happening on the field. They were showing a lot of the players in the players' reaction in their faces immediately, of course, right? Josh Allen is the guy that just really stands out to me. The look of horror on his face when they were actually administering the CPR. That, that to me... <laughs> It's just something you never see on a football field, and so many it guys didn't. Will. And so many guys probably didn't see it happen because so many the the play was over, and he actually stood up, and everybody else you could see everybody yeah. else turned away. Yeah, everybody else turned away, and then he collapsed. And I think the referee and maybe one of the Bengals players are the only one that actually like saw it happen. But it's just you know makes the tackle on T Higgins, stands up one two down. And it's just like, oh my God, this is bad. This is really bad. When you see a player get up like that and then go down like that. And then when you saw the training staff where they're they're sprinting to the sideline, one of the guys sprinting to the... 
nobody runs like that when you've suffered a concussion or blowing a knee out. You know, you, you might jog or something like that, but nobody's sprinting to the sideline to get something. And that, you could tell right there, that was a warning sign as well. Listen, where it all goes, um, it's right going to take now, time. I don't know. It's going to take time. It's, it's a tough situation for the league to be in as well. Well, and I, I don't know what you do as far as like, how do you get the Bills to be ready to play football again? Even if they just kind of do what you were saying, just toss that game or whatever, and you got a game this Sunday. Like that's not like three months from now; it's a couple days from I, now. You know what? I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a great question. I mean, each each person is going to be different yeah. on how they react. I mean, eventually they they will play. The Buffalo Bills are going yeah. to play yeah. two more football games, and yeah. they're going to go to the playoffs, and they're going to play. Whether this inspires them to win for him or they just can't overcome it, who knows? You know, nobody knows. Yeah. Gambo, thanks for coming in, man. I know you got a full four-hour show coming up here in a little bit. All right, boys, you got it. Thanks a lot. That's Gambo checking in right there. Burns and Gambo, of course, from 2 to 6 today. Christmas through New Year's Day is the lowest week of the year for blood donations. January is the highest blood usage month of the year for patients. So please consider making a blood donation on Sunday, January 8th at Vitalant's Saving Arizona Blood Drive. Schedule your appointment now at vitalant.org slash saveaz. All right, we come back. Scary moment last night on Monday Night Football. How much will this change things going forward? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show live from the Auction Community Studios. Thanks to Gambo for stopping by for crosstalk. I mean, you know, Wolf, we have a lot of the guests that we had on today were scheduled to talk about other stuff, right? Like, you would always do crosstalk with Burns and Gambo to talk about the Cardinals game over the weekend. We didn't have shows yesterday, so that was supposed to be about the Cardinals. You know, Zoe came on last hour. He's on with us every Thursday anyway. Jay Williams was, under normal circumstances, would have been talking to us about uh, you know the, the Suns and what's going on there. And, and Dave Pash earlier in the show would have been talking about Cardinals. It's just, it's kind of, it's impossible to talk sports today when Anytime sports gets to the point where you see it on the news, yeah. you know, like even that's a jarring thing. One of the TVs in here are just showing news and they're showing the Bengals stadium. It's like, I, that's something for us to watch. That's not something for you to talk about on news. You know what I mean? So yeah. it just feels weird to even see that. The whole thing has, has been surreal and, and horrible. This is Booger McFarland from ESPN last night. We break bones. We, we, we have surgeries. We get concussions. And like as football players, we're conditioned to deal with those things. Like that's a part of our game. When you bring CPR out, you're trying to help someone breathe. We're talking life or death now. That's, that's, that's totally different than anything that I've ever been used to dealing with on the field. I've never seen it on the field. Like, that's real. Like, this is, what we do is just a game. When you, when you involve life and death, it's, it's, totally, it's totally different. And those players feel that. Everybody in that stadium feels that. Both teams feel that. That's, that, that's something. Again, the, the rule is when we go compete, mm-hmm. we're going to compete, and then we're going to go home to our families. When, when we involve life and death, and that, that's, that, man, that's tough. It's a great point right there by Booger again. Um, 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It was something that I definitely have never seen in my life and hope I never see it again. Damar Hamlin, um, if you didn't see it, base and earnings, I don't know how you haven't, but made a strong tackle on a hard run by T. Higgins after, and it was a run after a catch. And he got up and stood on his feet and then collapsed onto his back. And the sight of seeing him collapse once again onto his back, you knew something was really, really wrong. And immediately I thought it was a concussion. That's what I thought. Um, it's interesting because we were talking a little bit earlier about Colt McCoy. Yeah. Colt McCoy, when he, when, when he had the concussion, he was on his knee and suddenly just flopped over to his back that's because he was out yeah he had passed out and you could just see it you know it it's something i've seen myself on the football field i've actually done it i just didn't see it obviously i've passed out myself but to watch that um you knew something was seriously seriously wrong and i thought when they went back and showed the replay it was because he got that shoulder pad yeah the shoulder pad into his chest but the helmet i thought hit him right under the chin and his head kind of snapped back when he made the tackle and then when he hit the ground it looked like the back of his head hit the ground and then to compound all of that he stood up and then collapsed again and i thought the back of his head hit the turf hard again so i'm thinking that's probably all oh, Matt. he suffered a severe concussion <sighs> Unfortunately, it was a cardiac arrest that he was suffering from. CPR was administered out on the field, a football field, for nine minutes. I, Luke, you know, yeah. It, it's it's the reaction of the players. It's the reaction of everybody on that broadcast last night. It, it was it was the reaction of of the coaches. I mean, the officials. Everybody. There's no playbook for what they're trying to do. Uh, nobody really knows. I don't think they train for a situation like that. Like you said, I mean, you, you assume okay, maybe that's a bad injury, and then they kept coming back because. You know, commercial breaks are only so long, right? So they come back from the commercial, and and the Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were like, "There's nothing for us to say. Like, we're going back to commercial." And anybody that's ever worked in media, knowing the behind the scenes of how like unusual that that is, to yeah. just keep firing off commercials because of how uniquely yeah. bad the situation is. You know, I, I've said this many, many times in the past, and I truly believe it. And um. The dynamic of being a former player and watching that happen to a guy that, no, I don't know him. Um, I haven't played football in a long, long time, Basin Onions, but to see a brother who plays this game and plays it as well as, as Hamlin does. Um, to see him go down that way and then know what happened to him, it's just, it's so disconcerting. And the reason why is from a very base, very competitive nature that I, I used to have. And I'm sure every other guy that walks in between the white lines has. It has to be. But I, I remember I wanted the other guy, the other, I wanted my opponent to think that they locked me in a closet all week long. And then they take food and shove it under the door to me. And then on game day, they open the door and I come out and guess what? I'm in a bad mood. That, that's exactly what I wanted to think 
of my opponent as well. That this guy, they locked him behind closed doors because he was a jerk. <laughs> right? I wanted yeah, want that I saw it as that, that he was a scumbag. Your opponent, the very first thing Gene Stallings said to our football team in 1986, and I know it was a long time ago, but he got up and Gene said, and I was a big Gene Stallings fan, but he got up in front of the team and he said, brother, you gotta hate the enemy. That's what he said. And that's exactly the way they would train you and condition you to do just that. And suddenly, you see DeMar Hamlin go down like that? That's when I knew the game was over, when the Bengals players started coming onto the field, matriculating onto the field. Yeah, you, with the build, you don't see you it. Don't see where it. they're consoling each other. Your opponent, your sworn enemy for three and a half hours, suddenly is coming out onto the field and consoling you and putting his arm around you. <laughs> you know, it reminded me. It reminded me of the humanity of the game and how special it is and the fact that you don't, you don't have computer chips that are playing this game. They're human beings just like you and me. This is uh, this is Ryan Clark. They, you know, the game was on ESPN. They went to SportsCenter right after they officially postponed the game and uh, and Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Clark this is uh, what he what Ryan Clark specifically had to say when DeMar Hamlin falls to the turf and when you see the medical staff rush to the field and both teams are on the field you realize this isn't normal you realize this isn't just football and so many times in this game and in our job as well we use the cliches you know I'm ready to die for this I'm willing to give my life for this it's it's time to go to war and I think sometimes we use those things so much we forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk and tonight you know we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly a side of football that no one ever that side of football that no one ever wants to see mm-hmm. or never wants to admit exists. When you see both teams on the field crying in that way, your first thought is DeMar Hamlin. Yep. The second thought is his family. You know, we were talking about this earlier, Wolf. That that was, and again, I don't want to make it sound like it wouldn't be as important if it was just some random small college game or something or some you know semi-pro football game. But that, that was Monday Night Football, two teams that are Super Bowl contenders going this is week 17, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're fighting for a bye. Like, everything that could be on the line in a regular season game was on the line in that game. And and that, to me, highlights what you and what Ryan Clark are saying. With all of that on the line, what was it? There was We're not even 10 minutes into the game. Yeah, it, right. all, it all went out the window. There wasn't a single player on the field that was like, no, we got to keep playing. You know, I mean, you could see it. They were all just like, I, I, don't, I don't know how long it's going to take to get either of those teams, not just Buffalo, like Cincinnati too, to feel like, okay, yeah, let's go play football again because you you have to have that edge. Football is not a job where you're like, okay, I got I got through the game. You know what I mean? That doesn't work like that. You have to, like you said, you have to go out there and, and want to punish the other team. 
You have to go approach a game like that last night. Like, we're not letting Cincinnati take the top spot. We're the best team in this league. Those guys were probably getting keyed up for that game for seven days, and it instantly went out the window. That's how you knew, like you said, that this they're not playing this game. Yeah. They can't. Yeah, and when they when they went ahead and suspended the game, um they actually stopped it first and um I believe it was actually called a suspension. Yes, it was. It was called a suspension and um I've been in a game that was stopped and temporarily suspended and it was due to a severe thunderstorm down in Tampa Bay. I'm talking about the 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 cloud this thunderclapper that came right over the stadium and it, it the deluge that came down it was like nothing i've ever experienced and there was lightning all over the place and that's when they said get off the field and we did we we shut it down for like a half hour they stopped the game yeah you play right through that stuff Typically yeah. in the NFL, you play right through it. Okay, it's raining badly, too bad. Those are weather conditions. But it was because of the lightning that was all over the place that they said, you know what, this is unsafe for not only the players, but fans as well. well so The fans, I mean, that's that was the other thing last night. Like, they all were staying, but I think they were just in shock. Shock and so respectful, can I say, as well. Yeah. Yep. When you get that many people in, in into the stands and suddenly you've got an opposing team that's out on the field, typically when the silence and the silence was deafening, you, you, you're you going to get a bad egg. You're going to get somebody who's going to scream something out. It was it was really well behaved. What, 50,000-ish people there last night? And, and yeah, they were all just silent. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, we'll try to just talk regular football. And with the Cardinals, how different is their roster going to look next season? It's going to look very different from the team we see out there uh, in Week 18. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, over to uh, football. And we briefly touched on this earlier, Wolf, but that story came out via Bleacher Report. And and this may not even have anything ultimately to do with the Cardinals, but that story that Jim Harbaugh is uh, is interested in an NFL coaching job again if he is offered one, which I would assume if he's available, one of these teams, we don't even know how many teams are going to need coaches in a week, but you would assume one of them would be interested in Jim Harbaugh. That one, that one sort of surprised me to see that that story and. When you start to talk about the coaching carousel, that's a big name. If if that story ends up being true, that's a big name out there that all of a sudden really moves things around quite a bit. Yeah, you you know the way I feel about Jim Harbaugh, okay? Even though um, I could tell you a story that would not be very flattering about Jim Harbaugh, I love Harbaugh. Is this the time he made you late for a curfew? <laughs> yes, that's exactly, that's exactly right, Jim would not leave some joint we were hanging out in, Bernie Kosar and myself. And because of it, we were late. Actually, 
late getting into the dorm during training camp. Anyways. You and Bernie were, not Jim. Jim was fine, right? right? Oh, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. He went to his dorm, dropped us off. We had to run 300 yards across an open field into the pitch. It was pitch dark, and we're sprinting across these open fields, soccer fields, to get to our dorm. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. Anyways, no hard feelings. Um, When it comes to his mentality, his football mentality, I absolutely love Harbaugh. That's just a pretty good coach. He just got Michigan to the, the college football playoff. Boy, I tell you. And we don't, we're not going to get into this today, but under normal circumstances, those two college football playoff games on Saturday yeah. were two of the best college football games I've ever seen. We just, we <laughs> okay. can't really get into it today. I, you know what? Honestly, um, I'm not going to disagree with you, but the style of football wasn't beautiful to me. I, I, I honestly, I get it. You love it. Oh my goodness. It's 51, 44, whatever, you know. But Georgia, I, Ohio State was more y- your style of football, wasn't it? There just happened to be a lot of points scored. Yeah. I Michigan just, TCU, there was no defense. At some point in time, we're the struggle, bro. Yeah. Where, where is the struggle? Isn't it supposed to be a struggle? It's a struggle on the Big football Ten right field. Now. I mean, that's when you know just constant offense. Um, yeah, you're right about that. Georgia watching that game. <laughs> I love those guys. I, I love watching them play the game. Just never football. out of the game. Wolf, I feel like the the Rose Bowl was what what you would have really liked yeah. with those formations out there. Yeah, right. No, exactly. I get that. Uh, yeah, Jesse, that's nice. Uh, Rick, I can't even believe I called you. Jesse. I know. Wow, that's a first. <laughs> so, you know what? Here. It's my first day back. <laughs> will, you, will you give me a little room here yeah, this on was, my this, first day that back? That was so close to... It's it's my first day. <laughs> Give me a break. I've never done this. I feel special, but I won't let it go to my head. No, don't yeah, let it go please to Please don't. Um, no, but look, a Harbaugh and is... By the way, get that flat top right, okay? <laughs> if you're going to wait, get that thing right. <laughs> High and tight. I need to go to a better barber. Yes, oh, wow. right, exactly. This feels like an endorsement deal coming on. So um, what were you going to say, Luke? Well, I was going to say with Harbaugh, I, I really... Because we talked about this a little bit last week. And there, was, there was people saying, okay, what's the most likely scenario for him to want to go to the NFL? And, and and it was like, does he if he gets to the championship but then loses? And, and for me, it was like, if he gets to the championship and loses, there's no way he's leaving Michigan because he's gotten that close, right? But they end up getting bounced by TCU and... This is not the only report out there, but Bleacher Report's tweet yesterday was Jim Harbaugh is expected to leave Michigan for the NFL if he is offered a job per Bruce Feldman, Nicole Arbach, and Austin Meek. Boy, we, you know what? We heard this last year, too. We did. Think about it, man. I mean, this is Harbaugh. So what is the one thing you think Jim Harbaugh is sick and tired of? <laughs> why, why would he be so adamant about leaving college football. They almost fired him, remember, like two years ago, Michigan. Yeah, but I think we'd all agree he actually had some some success. Uh, yeah, he's had a Michigan. lot of success. Yeah, right. I'm being a little facetious there when I say that, but um, is it possible that the NIL... Is it possible the NIL and the transfer portal drove Jim Harbaugh or is driving Jim Harbaugh out of college football because he can't even stomach That's the thought... That's I, I totally believe that's what it is. Because I, I that in the fact that you've got to kiss a kid's butt who's 18 years old or maybe even 17 to get him to come to your school. For to a play, year. Right? Yeah. For a year. Exactly. 
and then I'm going to re-recruit you? Well, that doesn't strike me as Jim Harbaugh territory. No, you're right. And I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. If Harbaugh ends up being out there, then all of a sudden it's not just Sean Payton and a bunch of other names. Now it's Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh and and some other names. Um, the other thing I wanted to get to here in the segment with the Cardinals, you know, how different they look roster-wise right now compared to week one, you're going to say something. What is it? No, I, I just have to say this as well. You need to know about Jim Harbaugh that he's got about a two-year window. A two-year window before he drives everybody <laughs> absolutely nuts. Yeah, well, ask the 49ers, right? I'm just Get them saying, right to the Super Bowl and then it's gone. You just you, you have to understand, if you're going to make that hire of Jim Harbaugh, whom I love, you got about two years before it's going to go real bad. That's the thing about Harbaugh. Do you think the 49ers knew that the first time around? Because he came in there from where it was Stanford, right? Yes. I mean, it was great in Stanford. I remember he kept beating Pete Carroll's USC teams, and nobody else was doing it. And like Pete Carroll and Harbaugh couldn't stand each other. And then he gets to he gets <laughs> to the what? NFL. There's a lot of people out there, Jimmy. You know, I love you, man. I do. But there's a. It's not like I have exposure to Jim Harbaugh. It's not like I'm working with Jim every day. <laughs> I am not. Well, he gets to San Francisco takes him right to the Super Bowl, and then it's gone. That would seem to back up what you're saying. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I know this for a fact, that Jim Harbaugh's got a, he's, he's got a shelf life, man, and he's going to hit that expiration date, and you're going to say, eject. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is potentially another piece of the puzzle for all the unknowns with the Cardinals this offseason. Again, Cliff Kingsbury might just be the coach next year, but if they end up making a change or if they're looking for a big name, Jim Harbaugh potentially being out there maybe makes that more likely. we can we got plenty of time to get in the roster. We can do that tomorrow. Okay. If Most in fact of the roster, they were ever to fire Cliff and hire Harbaugh, um, two years I'll be fighting Jim. <laughs> Two years. I, I can't, okay. can't wait till the, <laughs> a fist fight the weekly Monday interviews. Oh, those will be fun. <laughs> and I love Jim. <laughs> You'll be saying that as you guys are fighting. You'll be like, I love you, but I have to. I'm sorry. Uh, all right, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll get into basketball a little bit. Is there a reason why the Suns have been so hesitant to do anything as far as making a move? There might actually be a reason. It kind of came out earlier today. We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final segment of the show over to a little Phoenix Suns basketball. They're off tonight. They will be in Cleveland to take on Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs tomorrow. Donovan Mitchell, 71 points last night for the Cavs. He is having a uh, really good season. That was like a perfect fit for Cleveland. Boy, he's a good player, isn't he? He is. He is uh, this is maybe not the best time to catch Cleveland, but I don't think the Suns even are focused on the opponent. They are 1-6 in their last seven. They have won four of their last 15. They have 18 losses this season, Wolf, which we're not even at the halfway point, and that equals their total from last season. They're two games above 500 right now. They are tied essentially for 7th, 8th, and ninth in the play-in part of the standings in the Western Conference. In other words, something's got to change for the Phoenix Suns. Now, 
there's a lot of talk, and, and I'm right there in the middle of this. Why haven't you done anything with Jay Crowder? You've got five weeks now before the uh, the trade deadline. I said this last week. The last two years, it has felt like, boy, the Suns want something at the trade deadline. This year, it feels like the Suns need something, and maybe more than want something at the trade deadline. So everybody's kind of like, what? what's the hesitation here? There's a story on ESPN, and there's a, a write-up on it on uh, ArizonaSports.com, too, that says... Robert Sarver still has to give his personal sign-off for any deal for a player with a salary that is more than the current, quote, average player salary, unquote. And the current average player salary is $10.8 million. So any luxury tax payments that the Suns would have to pay, Robert Sarver has to sign off on all this. Mm. And he knows he's not going to be the owner in a couple months. Right, exactly. That's the issue right there. The bottom line does matter mm-hmm. to Robert Sarver in this situation, right? It's not like he's investing. <laughs> he's investing in the Suns. I think we all understand that. So that is an area of concern right there. It only complicates the problem facing the Suns right now. If, in fact, they're trying to move Jay Crowder, what are you going to do with Jay Crowder? And <laughs> Same thing, I think, goes for DeAndre Ayton. They've got to make it. Listen, I I talked about this earlier, but I want to talk about it again. January 15th, does that date matter? Does that? Why does that matter, Luke? It hasn't mattered since, what, mid-July? It's been, yeah, January 15th is the day the Suns could trade DeAndre Ayton if they want to. Yes. To your point, that seems a lot less possible after you read the story. Yeah, why do you say that, though? Well, you're not because trading. you're getting rid of an awful lot of salary, yeah, are you not? That's true. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, it, it doesn't mean no trade like that can happen. It just means Sarver has to sign off. And so yes. it's, it's like if you're selling a house and it's about to be sold, you're not like, hey, I'm going to paint the living room. You know what I mean? You're yes. probably not investing. But you're right. A bunch of salary would go out. So maybe in a way it almost makes it more likely. Well, I'm just wondering right now if, in fact, you know what, $4 billion sounds really good. Remember when we were speculating yeah. about that? $4 billion? Well, you're crazy. Price, gonna be, price is right rules. You actually get the Phoenix Suns because you were closer than me without about going that, over. How about man? $4 billion. What, Didn't I say $4 billion? You said a lot of different billions, okay. but you were definitely closer than I was. <laughs> okay, right. Um, okay. I said high twos. You were in the no, three you're, Yeah, you were like two and a, yeah. 2.3. <laughs> oh, look, you're I was, crazy. You were right around man, $3 right billion. You were up around $3 3.8. Yeah, okay. No, I think it was more of four. I think I was the first one, as a matter of fact, who said four. You, you drove the price up by that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, you just have to wonder how this whole thing is going to shake out going forward. Uh, I will I will present this right here. If, in fact, the Phoenix Suns, and I speculated about this last offseason greatly, when training camp opened, we remember... The DeAndre Ayton that came and sat at the um, inaugural press conference, let's it, put it that it way. It was weird. Media day was weird, yeah. Yes. Uh, suddenly, there he is, and he was not DeAndre Ayton. And we know why. We know about the story and the fact that Monty Williams had no contact with him the entire offseason. Which, still saying that out loud, blows my mind. It, it You know, it, it blows my mind because it clearly affected DA. If it was somebody like, yeah, we don't really talk in the offseason anyway, then it would be like, okay. 
but well, obviously yeah, but once Williams, again, he got a max contract. At some point in time, you're going to pick up the phone and go, hey, man, congratulations on your max contract. Well, especially because it was clearly intentional on Monty's part because he knows his players and he knows how it would affect DA, and there was a reason for it. Yes, so. there was a reason. So anyways, um, I, I thought, I speculated at the time, maybe they're trying to kick him, metaphorically speaking, right in the cradle. Maybe they're trying to get his attention. Maybe they're trying to try one more. We've tried everything with you. Now, if we just kind of embarrass you, how are you going to respond to this? What are you going to do about it? Maybe they were they, they were trying to push every button on DeAndre Ayton, in my opinion, they possibly could. I could be dead wrong on this, Mason Orleans, but I don't think I am. They were they were desperate. And if, in fact, that is the case right now, you have to ask this question. How do they think that has worked so far? Here it is, January 3rd. They have 12 more days till January 15th when they could trade him. What do you think? How do you think this experiment has gone? I, I don't think anybody would look and say DA's significantly better than he was a year ago. There's just, there's no way. And that, and look, some of that is fine. I was fine with DA a year ago with what he is. Like, if you, if you take away the lens of you're paying him max money and he was the first overall pick, and if you don't watch him <laughs> and you just say, look at the production this guy's giving you, like, okay, that's good. Correct. When you watch him, you're like, oh, that play, why doesn't he just do that every play? We don't know. Yes. And, you know, honestly, once again, I, I, you need your big man. I want my big man. To be that tone setter. And they have called DeAndre Ayton the tone setter. And I believe he truly is the tone setter. Called himself the tone setter. He's called himself that. And when he is the tone setter, guess what? It's it's a good tone, typically. When he goes out there and he is a little bit more aggressive. And he is a little bit more physical than what we have seen. Um, But when he isn't, he isn't. And that is why I am getting really, really close to calling him a mad king. The most talented human being inside that locker room. The most talent, and yet he has a hard time bringing that talent consistently to the floor, night in and night out. He's a king. You better be sure about it. He's a good player. But every player alongside him wonders, dude, why can't you bring this every night? Why can't you do it consistently? Why? And the answer is because he can't do it consistently. And it's really hard to respect somebody who is that talented, who can't do it night in and night out for whatever reason. We called them mad kings. Well, the other thing I would say on this real quick, too, if it if it is this difficult to make a trade right now because Sarver's got to sign off on anything, and I know we're not going to get the answer to this anytime soon, if ever, but Wolf, if, if you know it's going to be difficult to make trades, why can't you just work it out with Jay Crowder? You know what I mean? If you know it's going to be hard, if this if this story is is ultimately true and, it, and it's part of why they they haven't been able to bring anybody in, and you're stringing together three four losses at a time, and then you're winning a game and you're losing another three, and you know it's going to be really difficult to go out and make a trade, even for a Kyle Kuzma like we were talking about last week, you can't work this out with Jay Crowder. 
you need players right now. <laughs> or is it Jay Crowder? Is Jay yeah. Crowder like, no, I'd rather just waste a year of my career. I, I, we still don't know who is more behind this, but it's unbelievable. you got a team that won 64 games last year going in the wrong direction. They can't make trades right now as easily, and they're paying a guy they need to not play. <laughs> What is happening? Jay Crowder would bring a lot of physicality. He'd bring a lot of toughness, I would imagine, right? He would he would bring a lot of everything, I think, that the Suns appear to be missing here from an intangible perspective. He could bring that. So why wouldn't you do it? All right, that'll do it for us here today. This was um, obviously a unique show under bad circumstances. Wolf, though, it's good to have you back, buddy. I know this was uh, probably not the easiest day to come back to. Yeah, good to be back. Thank you, Luke. Uh, Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. For Wolf, I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.